You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G Sports.com. Today we're going to be joined by Patrick Brown from Vols, Go Vols 247. We're also going to be joined by Danny West, of course, and Kurt Wilkerson as we prepare you for this Arkansas versus Tennessee game on Saturday. We're going to get to your questions as well. This is your Arkansas versus Tennessee primer. Before we get started, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't followed the page, go ahead and do so now. Throw us a like if you like the videos that we do. Also available on YouTube. Be sure to throw us a like there. And uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload new videos. Also on Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star rating and leave a review if you like the content as well so people can know what to expect when they tune into Hogsports Live. Also available on Spotify, Stitcher iHeartRadio, everywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. If you haven't signed up for our Hogsports newsletter, now's a great time to do so. We'll deliver breaking news to your email inbox as well as free articles every single morning around 9 a.m. Usually send about eight articles. 75% of those are free. Uh, clearly marked VIP if it's not free. So a great way to stay up with the Hogs by getting our daily newsletter. You can also get breaking news text alerts. Um, just by going to Hogsports to sign up, both of those to go up to the top right of the page, you'll see three bars, maybe three dots if you're on mobile, and you can bring it down. You'll see where to sign up for text alerts and uh, your your newsletter. It takes 15, 15 seconds. All you have to do is enter your number, and you can cancel anytime if you don't like it. We're not going to spam you with a bunch of stuff or anything like that. So you're going to like that. You're going to like staying on top of things before all your friends do. Also, Hogsports is $1 right now for your first month at hawgsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Great time to sign up. All right, all that out of the way. Let's go ahead and dive into this thing. Reminder to get your questions in. Try to limit the comments if you can. Kind of hard to sift through everything. First, a little bit of housekeeping stuff. Amante Spivey has entered the transfer portal. Red shirt, freshman running back out of Phoenix City, Alabama. Uh, picked Arkansas over Ole Miss in the recruiting process. I believe I don't know if this is 100% true, but I believe he was rooming with jo, uh, with Jerry Jacobs, who's also opted out. So two opt outs in the last three weeks. Jacobs actually a little bit before he, everybody knew about it, uh, and I guess from the same room roommates. I, I I don't know if that's 100%, but that's what that's what sources have told me. Uh, it's it's never good to lose a player. I will say this about running backs: I've always felt either you can run or you can't, and running backs typically play early in their career, and the fact that he hasn't, I don't know. I don't I don't, I mean to kick anybody on their way out. I'm not a big fan of quitting in the middle of the season. I don't know what his circumstances are. Maybe it's an opt-out decision. I don't know, but I'm not a big fan of quitting in the middle of the season. So, wish you well. It's unfortunate. Um, I will say again, usually running backs come in and play as freshmen. You can't name a running back – before the four-game redshirt rule anyway, who came to Arkansas and redshirted, not because of an injury, and went on to have like a, a really successful career at Arkansas. The only guy that somebody might bring up, they might bring up Michael Smith, who did redshirt, but he had hamstring issues. And Michael Smith went on to run for 1,000 a, a yards one season as a junior. So he might be the only guy. But again, it was an injury for the reason that he, he redshirted. You can't find – usually – I mean, running backs probably like, you know, you get stronger, you know, you get faster, all this stuff, you know. But really, and that, that's true at every position. But running backs, to me, had the farthest – had the had the, had the shortest distance to go. You know, the the their ceiling usually isn't that high. You're not usually like, this guy has a lot of potential. You know, usually it's like you can run or you can't run. you got to get better at pass pro. That's it, really. So, hopefully he finds what he's looking for. So just a little bit of information on this game coming up. Obviously, uh, both teams are two and three. November seventh, six thirty p.m. SEC Network. Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium be about sixteen thousand five hundred in there, seventy six thousand capacity. Weather's supposed to be okay. 71 degrees at kickoff. It's been a night. I mean, it's warm outside right now. Like last week, I wondered if that might have impacted Arkansas in their preparation, having to practice indoors every day. 
This week, this has not been a problem. I mean, it's been like 70-something every day. Of course, they didn't practice Tuesday because of election. That's uh, nationwide. I want to get into this roster real quick for Tennessee before we get to Patrick here in about 10 minutes or so. Really, when I look at this group, I mean, I don't see like a huge difference from, you know, like how they were rated as recruits versus what Arkansas's roster is, except this offensive line. And I'm sure some of you guys have heard, you know, people talking about the offensive line, five-star offensive line. When they say five-star offensive line, like five-star, like four five-stars on this offensive line that are starting and one four-star. They're 6'5", 320 across the front. The center goes about 6'3", 300, so he brings it down a little bit. So the other guys are a little bit bigger. But Cade Mays, you guys remember him. You know, we talked a little bit about him possibly transferring to Arkansas. He's the one that, you know, had the dad whose finger was severed. Sam Pittman puts it in a bag. But he was at the University of Georgia. Arkansas. Pittman actually lured him from Knoxville Catholic in Tennessee to go to Georgia. But he was a five-star recruit. He's actually replacing Jerome Cavan, who's a four-star who was injured. So he's actually replaced him. But he's a five-star um, at right guard. Left guard, Trey Smith, five-star recruit, number 14 overall prospect in the country. Wayne Morris, 6'5", 320, number 28 overall prospect in the country, class of 2019, started 12 games last year, five-star. He's, he's had an ankle, uh, I believe an ankle, yeah, an ankle injury, but has had two weeks to, to, to get back. Uh, Darnell Wright at right tackle, 6'6", 320, number 10 overall prospect in 2019. So they got a couple of uh, tackles who are 2019 prospects, five-star recruits. Pretty solid group. Everybody but the center is like 6'5", 6'6", 320, 330. So pretty loaded up group. Now, if you look at the rest of Arkansas, or excuse me, of Tennessee's uh, offense, I mean, there's some talented guys, obviously, but it's not like, you know, they've been recruiting at a pretty high level, but I guess maybe some three stars here and there beat some guys out. Eric Gray, everybody knows I think he's really good back, 6'10", or excuse me, 5'10", 205, uh, and Ty Chandler is the other one. Both those guys were four-star recruits. Chandler's senior. Gray is a sophomore. And then at quarterback, Jarrett Garantano, who was a four-star prospect in the class of 2016, been very up and down, hot and cold type of quarterback. You know, we could possibly also see Brian Maurer, who was a three-star out of California, excuse me, out of Florida. Josh Palmer at Tennessee, mid-range three-star guy, 836 in the country. Brandon Johnson, another wide receiver, mid-range three-star guy, 500, high-end three-star guy, I would say. Ramel Keaton is a four-star, 111 prospect in the country. Princeton Fant at tight end is a three-star, mid-range three-star type of guy. Again, you know, this does, this is just recruiting stuff. I think it's fun to just go back and, and look at recruiting stuff. We'll get some more information from Patrick Brown on, on these guys more specifically, but I always like looking back at that kind of stuff. Uh, we talked about the offensive line, obviously, but that's, you know, that's pretty much their skill guy. So it doesn't, like, just jump out from a recruiting standpoint like any different than what Arkansas is rolling out there, you know. Uh, defensive, defensively, Matthew Butler was a three-star recruit, higher-end three-star. Uh, Latrell Bumpus was the other defensive end. He's also, you know, mid-range, high-end three-star. Aubrey Solomon at defensive tackle, the nose, 6'5", 315, really highly regarded guy, number 23 overall prospect in the country and a five-star. He's the only five-star on defense. And then you get to the outside, so they base out of a 3-4, 6'3", 255, DeAndre Johnson, three-star, mid-range, low-end three-star. Kyvan or Keevan Bennett, not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, High-end, mid-range, three-star, the other outside linebacker. And then you get to inside linebacker, Corvarius Crouch, four-star, number 61 overall prospect, highly regarded guy. Henry Toe Toe, I don't know if I'm saying that wrong or right. Uh, inside linebacker, another four-star. So the two inside linebackers are highly regarded guys coming out of high school. And then at cornerback, four-star, number 122 nationally, Elante Taylor. Bryce Thompson, the other cornerback, another four-star. Safety, Sean Schamberger, three-star, low-end three-star. Jalen McCullough, 
four-star safety, and then Traven Flowers, three-star. So, I mean, like I could go by, I could go through and compare, like, you know, what Arkansas's lineup looks like. You know, they've got just one four-star on the offensive line. So, that's really the biggest difference to me, like, when you look at how, how they regarded that offensive line. But you look at Arkansas's offense, you know, Traylon Burks is a four-star. Um, Felipe Franks, Raheem Boyd. Hayden uh, uh, Hunter uh, Hudson Henry as <laughs> a four-star. You know, defensive line. You've got some pretty highly regarded guys on the defensive line that you know weren't four stars, but were you know higher end three-star types. Some really well-regarded junior college players. You've got some others like um, you know um, Zach Williams, Matthias Soli. Um, I'm forgetting the other Eric Gregory. Those are all four stars, uh, four-star recruits. Bumper Pullet linebackers, a four-star recruit. Monteric Brown, four-star. Uh, Jalen Catalan, four-star, you know. So you've you've got some guys, you know, that are that are kind of comparable throughout the defense in terms of how they were rated. So it's an interesting matchup, but obviously from a recruiting standpoint, Tennessee offensive line very impressive. We went behind enemy lines, and we're going to go over that. I always call that story behind enemy lines five questions with Tennessee beat writer. So we'll we'll go over that with uh, with Patrick here in a moment. I always say, you know, there's there's certain things that are constant to me when you talk about keys to victory. And people always come up with all these different keys to victories. But I, I always say penalties, turnovers, special teams play, injuries, all very key. Those four are always going to be constant. And I would also say, you know, the fifth would probably be just capitalizing on mistakes. I feel like I've said that more this year than I have ever have capitalizing on opponent mistakes. When they make a mistake, you make them pay 100%. The worst possible outcome for them is what needs to happen. And the team that does that and the team that limits mistakes usually ends up winning. So those are those are the, the keys to victory. Uh, Curtis does this story. I love it. It came out today. Uh, five burning questions where the Hogs – Set the tone with a fast start. They did last time. They don't know if they set the tone, but they got off to a fast start. Texas A&M punted. After four plays, Arkansas scored a touchdown. And then Arkansas couldn't stop them (laughs) until the fourth quarter. So that's a big one, returning at home. The the previous four games, Arkansas went three and out each time. Can Arkansas get uh, pressure on the quarterback? Arkansas's defensive line is good. I don't. I don't think that they have a. I think they have an SEC defensive line. I should say. Okay. Tennessee's offensive line is very good. From a you know, it, it's interesting because you look at Texas A&M. Texas a and regarded by most maybe as having the best offensive line in the SEC. Five returning starters. Okay, four seniors. But Tennessee or Texas A&M's offensive line isn't like super highly regarded. There's one five-star guard, but everybody else is like a three-star. Tennessee, on the other hand, very, very highly regarded. Not as not as veteran as the group for Texas A&M, but very highly regarded recruits all the way across. So can Arkansas get pressure on the quarterback? Can there be a bounce-back game for the secondary? And that means getting interceptions. Obviously, losing Jalen Catalan was catastrophic for them in the secondary. He's, a, he's in my opinion, again, their best player on defense. Is Rakeem Boyd here to stay? Another good question. 100 yards, first time this season. Can he keep it going against Tennessee? And then how will things shake out on the offensive line for Arkansas? That's his five burning questions. All right, everybody, I want to go flip the page over here to Patrick. He does a great job for the Go Vols 24-7 site. If you haven't, if you're a Tennessee fan watching, go check them out. They do a great job over there, just like all of our sites in the SEC. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See what Patrick has to say. Hey, guys. Hey Patrick, that's my line. That's my. That's actually my call sign. Is is hey guys? <laughs> I do that every day on the radio show. Um, Patrick, I want to welcome you to Hog Sports Live. Uh, I just gave you a glowing introduction. The Go Vols twenty four seven senior writer, and uh, you do a great job over there. And uh, we, uh, I just want to kind of jump into it here. We we asked you, um, we asked you some questions. I always call it the behind enemy lines feature. So we're not going to stray too far from that for our listeners here. But Tennessee's coming off a bye week, okay? And we know that there have been some injuries. Can you just kind of fill the listeners in uh, with the latest with Tennessee injuries, maybe who we could expect back, who's been out? Yeah, Trey, uh, most of Tennessee's injuries have been uh, on, the, on the offensive line. They've had a couple of starters that have been missing games there. Uh, Jerome Carvin as uh, a right guard who really hasn't played in the past three games. He's had a, a turf toe issue. Uh, he's probably, if, if we're going by NFL terms, quite questionable for Saturday. Uh, Wanda Morris is uh, their starting left tackle. Didn't play against Alabama with, due to an ankle injury. He's probably questionable as well. Um, it has some other guys that have missed some games and have come back. And so uh, I think they've started four different uh, lineup combinations on the offensive line in five games this season. So there's there's been some uh, kind of shuffling going on there. Uh, defensively, the probably the main injury is uh, to Jeremy Banks, a linebacker. Uh, has a high ankle sprain that he suffered against Kentucky. He didn't play against Alabama. He's practiced a little bit last week, uh, excuse me, this week, um, and, and might be able to give him something. Um, he, he's not a starter, but um, he, he was rotating in and playing quite a bit before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, both Carvin and Banks are guys that they didn't, they, they held out last week of practice just to get him some more health and, uh, give them some more time to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Tennessee, like a lot of teams, is you know they got some guys playing less than 100%. Uh, but their starting cornerbacks are, are dealing with injuries. I think Bryce Thompson has a, a torn pec. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt said last week, and then Alante Taylor has missed a game with a hamstring injury. So, um, but that's that's probably common for a lot of people. But yeah. Bryce Thompson's playing with a torn pectoral. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, that's what that's what Pruitt said. I think he he Thompson was limited um, in the Missouri game, which was the second week of the season. Mm-hmm. Really only played like on third downs, um, and you know, he said he got hurt in practice. And then I think Pruitt kind of said last week that uh, he had a torn pec. He's he's been playing. Uh, I think he's been he's been doing okay. Uh, their secondary has sort of been a little bit of a disappointment this season, but uh, he, he apparently has gotten it out, and and so are a few other guys that have some injuries that they're playing through. That must really suck for Tennessee to have to put a five-star uh, player at right guard in place of uh, uh, Carvin <laughs> and Cade Mays. And Cade, Cade Mays is a familiar name around here because a lot of people thought that he may end up at Arkansas because of Sam Pittman connection uh, coming from Georgia, but obviously ended up at Tennessee, played at Knoxville Catholic, so that makes a lot of sense. But at the left tackle spot, if Morris can't go, is it is it Johnson that, that would fill in there? Yeah, it would be Jameer Johnson. He started the uh, South Carolina game, but hurt his ankle in that one and didn't play until uh, the Alabama game when he started. So um, they the, the only two games that both Morris and Johnson were healthy, they rotated. So mm-hmm. uh, if they're both available, I think that could be something that they do uh, on Saturday. Johnson's probably better in, in pass protection. Uh, Morris brings a little bit more of the run game, so uh, there's a little bit of a trade-off to know who's, who's in the game. Um, but I would think if Morris is healthy – he would probably get the nod. It must be real difficult on you guys predicting things like, you know, who's going to, uh, you know, like how how scores are going to play out because at quarterback it's just been so inconsistent for for a while now. What what do you expect to get out of Garantano? Am I saying that right? Garantano, Garantano. I've heard it said yeah. so many times, so many different <laughs> yeah, ways. You're, 
you're, you're saying it right, and 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 yeah, it, it's hard to know what to expect on a, on a week to week basis. Um, and, and it's been really the quarterback situation has been a really frustrating point for uh, for Tennessee fans. Really, for you know, you go back to last season when they, uh, I think, like Arkansas, they started four different guys at quarterback mm. um, last season. But uh, you know, Garantano is he. You look at his numbers, career numbers. I mean, his, his interception rate is, is lower than. Um, Josh Dobbs and, and even going back to Tyler Bray at Tennessee, you know, both those guys had higher, you know, three interceptions more frequently than Garantano does. But Garantano has this tendency to make these catastrophic plays. I mean, you go back to the Alabama game last year, you know, he didn't have a great game when they lost to Georgia State to open last season. Um, you had the two pick sixes against Kentucky, and, um, you know, but three games this season, he hasn't had a turnover, three mm-hmm. out of five. So, uh, that's like the baseline for him. If, if they can get a turnover free game from him, I think Tennessee would probably take it and, and you know live with whatever else happens. But um, yeah, you just you just never know what to expect with him. And, and really, you know, the whole team has been really inconsistent this season. You know, Tennessee will have uh, on both sides of the ball just about every position group. They'll have three and four plays in a row where they look pretty good, and mm-hmm. they have a fifth play where it's just you know they have a penalty or they give up a big play with a you know busted coverage or whatever. So. Um, you know, he's sort of a microcosm of the whole team and just that he's kind of unpredictable and kind of, uh, you know, inconsistent and, and, and will do good things, but then undo them all with a bad play. And, um, it, yeah, the quarterback situation has been a real, uh, frustration point for, for Tennessee fans. And I'm sure probably for, um, for the coaching staff as well. I think a lot of Tennessee fans think that Tennessee, if they had a, a better quarterback or a more settled situation would be. Mm-hmm. A considerably better team. I think they have more issues than that, but um, you know, certainly that's an easy position to point to. And you know, your coaches all the time say that you know, when teams are doing well, quarterbacks probably get more credit than they should, and when things are going bad, they get more blame than they should. That's just kind of how the position is. But um, yeah, it's you, you never know which one he's, you know, which which Garantano is going to show up, and uh, obviously he has to play well for for Tennessee to to win games. Patrick Brown joining us from Go Vols 24-7, senior writer there, does a great job. Again, if you're a Tennessee fan, go go check them out. I'm curious also, Patrick, because Tennessee's just it's, – it's such a weird team to figure out. And this is, to me, a big measuring stick game for Arkansas. Uh, being back at home and, and, you know, playing pretty well, especially compared to, to recent seasons. But I look at Tennessee, and I'm sure Tennessee fans hate when I say this, but I look at those last six games last year, no ranked opponents, first two games this year not ranked. Is there a bit of like fool's gold with Tennessee, or the or the fans totally buying in on that? And obviously, you know, the last three games have have not gone their way. So, what what is the pulse of Vol Nation right now? Well, I think they're frustrated. Um, they're frustrated by the quarterback situation. Uh, you know, you know, they're still angry about the Kentucky game. I mean, that mm-hmm. was that that's the difference, really. Uh, if, if they're three and two right now, and even if they had lost by the margins they lost to against Alabama and Georgia, um, I don't think there would be maybe the angst that there is. Yeah. Uh, that, that Kentucky game really, really kind of soured things because you know, you know, Kentucky hadn't won in Knoxville since 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and you know, I don't, I don't think Kentucky is particularly a great football team. I mean, the next week they went out and really didn't do anything and lost in Missouri. So. Yeah, I mean, a um, word of advice: don't have four straight turnovers early in the game and two Yeah, sixes. I mean that, that's 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 uh, you know that was the the issue of that game is they just imploded at the quarterback position and I mean they, they didn't even really you know Kentucky didn't even win that game as much as he just gave it away and mm-hmm. it was um and, and you know I think Kentucky in the first half had like four first downs they had under 100 yards of offense and they were up 17 nothing mm-hmm. because of those turnovers and, and when Tennessee wasn't turning the ball over they were moving it. Um, you know, they had two drives that, that got into Kentucky territory inside the 30 and then had, um, you know, they had, they had a, a bust up front where they got tackled for loss on a sag, knocked them out of field goal range, and then they had a fumble where uh, Garantana was throwing an RPO out where they were going to get 10 yards because Kentucky wasn't even ready, and they had, a, you know, they had, they had more numbers out there mm-hmm. on that side. And the running back stepped forward thinking he was going to get the ball and knock the ball out of, out of quarterback's hands. And, you know, this is a, kind of a – Stupid mistake like that, and then you know, then they compounded it with the two pick sixes, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other turn after that. So, um, you know, was that the aberration? You know, we've seen Tennessee kind of have you know the Georgia State game and the BYU game last season were uh, really bad in the moment, but you know, I think they kind of at the end of the season they kind of look they kind of look more like a fluke than anything. But uh, I wonder which you know which version of Tennessee is going to show up on Saturday night, Trey. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, you look at the first two games, they look competent, they look well-coached. 
didn't turn the ball over, limited penalties. Uh, you know, they, they found a way to win against South Carolina, which was kind of in line with, with the games they won last season. You know, they didn't really blow any of those teams out. Missouri, Kentucky, you know, they beat Vanderbilt comfortably. But, um, you know, South Carolina, they pulled away in the second half of that game last season. But, you know, a couple of those games, they had to grind it out in the second half and sort of just kind of found a way to win. They did the same thing against South Carolina Open this season and against Missouri. They were it's pretty really business-like. They ran the ball well. They played good defense in that game um, and, and did what they needed to do to win pretty comfortably. But then, you know, these past three games and, you know, when you play Georgia and Alabama, they're going to make yeah. they're going to make you look like you have a long list of, of issues. Uh, that's just how those two teams are. They're so are. sudden in all those games, though. You yeah. know, it's like the Georgia game, it's 23-21, and then suddenly it's, what, 44-21, you know. And Alabama, yeah. Alabama happened a lot earlier. Um, and Alabama does that to teams. But I want to get you out with one last question. I'm not going to ask you how you see this one playing out just because, like you said, Tennessee's been just one team and another, you know, it's been two different teams. But just this simple question is Tennessee wins if? Uh, I think Tennessee wins if they play a clean game and, and sort of limit their mistakes. You know, it, you know, we know about Arkansas. You guys know about Arkansas's turnover uh, advantage. They've had some, some big turnover games that – uh, have led to those wins. Tennessee, obviously, in the past 10 quarters, I think has eight turnovers, and they've given away 37 points uh, from those turnovers. Four of them were defensive touchdowns, and uh, on, on the other three field goals accounting for the rest of those points, the other team only picked up two first downs on those drives, so they're, they're pretty much turning it over right around the red zone, and it's an easy field goal even if you don't even gain any yards. So um, Tennessee can't turn the ball over, uh, and they have to limit – uh, I think they're penalties too. They've been a little penalty prone the last three games. Um, and some other things that they haven't done well, they've been pretty bad on third down, both offense and defense. I know Arkansas has been pretty good on third down defense. So uh, can Tennessee find a way to extend drives? Uh, that's something they haven't done the past three games. And uh, and also, I think it also comes down to, uh, to red zone scoring. I mean, this could be a pretty close game and, um, you know, scoring opportunities may be limited for, for both sides. Um, or who knows? I mean, it could turn into a shootout. I don't know that it would that would surprise me either. Um, but uh, if, if scoring opportunities are going to be limited in this game, whoever can, you know, when they get those chances, can you know hit their field goals, and uh, if they get chances to score touchdowns and, and can convert those opportunities, then uh, this could be big differences in, in what could be a close game. A lot of people see it as a close game. All right, Patrick. I appreciate the time, man. All right, thanks, Trey. Right. Appreciate you, Patrick. That's Patrick Brown with again, Go Vols. 247 senior rider. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, go check those guys out. They do a great job. All right, we're going to switch gears over here. We're going to bring in my man Curtis Wilkerson. Curtis does also a great job for us at hogsports.com and been with us for a few months, and basketball season's about to kick off, and we can't hey, wait Trey. to see how he covers that. Hey, Curtis, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good. Right before you called me, I actually just got a notification that the SEC is going to be releasing the conference basketball schedule tomorrow at noon. So I'm excited about that. You know how many, you know how many DMs I get? Like, where, what's the basketball schedule? Like, <laughs> I like, could just, only just give, it, just give it a minute. <laughs> just give it a minute. <laughs> Patience. Yeah. So Kurt, for those who don't know Curtis, he uh, you can follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. We might need to change that underscore, Curtis. I need to get you like a two four seven at the end of that. If you can't find your own. Maybe yeah. The, the problem when I made the change was I I ran out of available characters. I guess yeah. I got a long last name. I've never run into that issue. I guess I've always been Trey <laughs> Biddy on there, you know. Right. So, but uh, anyway, Curtis uh, really does a great job covering basketball, and you guys are going to see that he has a background with uh, prep hoops and busting brackets. Boy, brought him over here. Uh, has also coached and served in administration and uh, a former player on the NAI level. And uh, hey, Curtis, what else have you done? You've been in sports medicine. I mean, you've been you've done just about everything <laughs> that you could do yeah. in sports now. Uh, so. Uh, we're certainly glad to have you part of the team. Um, before we get to any basketball stuff, let's talk a little bit of, uh, of football. You do your five keys to victory and five burning questions. I kind of went over a little bit uh, that, but let's go with this first one. Well, the Hogs set the tone with a fast start. Obviously, Arkansas did that in the Texas A&M game, but didn't continue. They didn't set the tone with it, unfortunately, for Arkansas. Uh, but before that, it's been one three and out after another. Yeah, that's true. It was nice to see, you know, and the, and the defense got to stop there to, to get things started against A&M. And then, you know, it was just a really impressive drive uh, down the field for a touchdown there. It was nice to see. And obviously you want to see a continuation of that 
uh, just to get off to a hot start at home. And then, you know, you look at a team like Tennessee, who came into the season with a lot of expectations, obviously uh, won their first couple ball games, And then really the, the last three games, especially the last 10 quarters, I mean, they've, they've really struggled. So yeah. you got to think if, if Arkansas had come out and land the first punch, you know, it, it might demoralize those guys a little bit. So uh, I, I do think that's going to be a big part of the game. Yeah, I think it is too. And uh, obviously turnovers, all those things, but uh, getting to the quarterback is going to be big too. And uh, Tennessee's offensive line, we talked about them. They got four starters, four guys who are projected to start unless they get their four-star starter back, uh, <laughs> Carvin, uh, in place of uh, – in place of uh, – Cade Mays, but uh, what do you what do you see in this one? What's Tennessee giving up in terms of sacks and things like that, and pressures on the quarterback? Can Arkansas can Arkansas rattle him? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know the the guy you had on earlier was talking about some of the shuffling they've been doing with injuries and things like that, and I, I guess we'll see uh, who's going to be back on the field on that offensive line for Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, you went through the roster, and and that's a really, really talented group. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But I I don't know that I'm I'm ready to put them on the, you know, quite the same pedestal as that Texas A&M offensive line. I mean, Kellen Mond had all day back there, and and that's more of a testament to to how good that offensive line is. So while it's not going to be an easy task by any means for Arkansas to get get pressure on Garantano or or whoever they – wind up having back there a quarterback, uh, I do think that they're going to have a little bit better of a chance for some success there. You know, Jonathan Marshall has been incredible. I, I saw the graphic where he's in the top five in the country and quarterback hurries. So you have to feel good about his chances to be disruptive in there. And then, you know, Coach Pittman has talked about Julius Coates really coming on strong the last couple of days, uh, last couple of games. Dorian Gerald is getting healthy. You know, he got a, got a cup of coffee in there last week. So, Maybe he can build off of that and get into the rotation a little bit more. So uh, I, I do feel encouraged that they're going to have a little bit more success against Tennessee, uh, and I think that's going to be key in, in terms of putting a little bit of heat on those quarterbacks and maybe being able to force some turnovers, which Arkansas has thrived off of in their wins so far this year. They really need to get a couple pops on Garantano early mm-hmm. and rattle him. I think that will go a long way. And uh you know, you're right. I mean, like Tennessee's offensive line is very highly regarded, but like the two tackles, for example, five stars, but they're class of 2019 guys, you know, so they're definitely a bit on the on the younger side, whereas Texas A&M was, was certainly veteran. I always – I bring this up all the time, but I just think back to this Justin Fields breakdown they were doing on ESPN this time, and I've, I know I've told this story like three times, but – it just it just always amazed me like they're talking about how he goes through his first progression, his second, his third, fourth, fifth, you know. And I'm just thinking, I'm just sitting there like looking at the pocket he's throwing in. And there's nobody even close to him. He's got like forever six seconds to throw the ball. And they're talking about how poised he looks. Yeah, he looks poised, and that's kind of the same thing that we saw with Kellen Mond. So it'll be interesting to see if Tennessee can protect Garantano uh, in a similar way that Mond did, and, and conversely Arkansas. I mean. Um, you know, Tennessee's got some talent up front. You know, those outside linebackers are very talented. They can they can get to the quarterback. So Arkansas is going to have to make sure they protect Felipe. They don't need to give up four sacks. I mean, his gra- his jersey doesn't need have a bunch of grass stains. Of course, it'd be in red this time versus white. It makes it makes it amplified when you see a bunch of grass stains all over your quarterback's shoulders and back and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, well, Curtis, uh, Raheem Boyd obviously got going finally. He looks like he's finally healthy. Uh, getting him going would be big. Also, Traylon, uh, Traylon Smith, you know, having that one-two punch would be would be really good. So, how do you how do you see them being able to run against that Tennessee defense? Yeah, it's I, I found some really interesting stats. I thought on the on the rush defense for Tennessee, you know, you take a look at it and they're giving up uh, quite a bit of yardage per game. I, I want to say it's about 153, 163, maybe. Uh, so that kind of ranks towards the bottom of the SEC, you know, ninth or tenth. So on the surface, you look at it and you say, okay, you know, Arkansas should be able to have some success here. But then you dig a little bit deeper and you notice that teams are averaging over 40 attempts on the ground against Tennessee per game. So they're actually only giving up 3.7 yards per carry, mm. which ranks at the near the top of the SEC. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see a disparity between, you know, the total yards allowed and then what they're actually giving up per carry. Now, you know, Texas A&M defense, they were, you know, stout in terms of 
uh, SEC standings and in the country when it comes to stopping the run. And, you know, Rakeem Boyd, he's the type of back who it, it almost doesn't even matter, uh, you know, who the defense is. If he's on top of his game, he's going to be able to gain some yards. In a sense, it doesn't necessarily matter if he's on top of his game, who's blocking for him, because you saw what he did uh, the last couple of years with a, a much less talented uh, or organized offensive line, I guess you could say. So, you know, we, we got a chance to talk to Rakeem last night on Zoom. He was excited, fired up, and, and quite honestly relieved to be able to have, you know, a healthy little bit of a breakout game. And, you know, he, he says that there's more to come, and, and I tend to believe that. I, I think he's going to have a nice game back there. You mentioned Traylon Smith. Uh you know, really nice one-two combination. I, I like what Traylon Smith is able to do as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Would like yeah. to see a little bit more of that uh, from him as well. It's nice to have another back back there um, to to play in tandem with Boyd. Now that both of those guys are healthy, Arkansas just hasn't seemed to have that or have have two backs that are you know healthy at the same time. I want to change gears with you real quick uh, before I let you go. And again, people, if you haven't followed Curtis Wilkerson at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. You're going to want to do that, okay? You're going to want it. Basketball season is near, and it's not just football coverage. You're going to love what you get out of Curtis in basketball. We've got some surprises also for for how we're going to cover basketball this year with Curtis. Uh, But changing gears, obviously, over to basketball, 24-7 Sports just updated the 2022 um, uh, Top 247, and several Arkansas recruits moved up. A couple – one guy – couple guys moved up significantly. One guy really moved up. So if you just kind of run down what to look for in that 2022 class in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been so much hype about this in-state group, and it's really starting to show in these rankings. You know, first of all, uh, Arkansas did gain their first commitment in that 2022 class from Joseph Pinion, 6'6 wing out of Moralton. Uh, you know, he actually stayed pretty steady. Uh, moved up from number 150 to 144 in the top 247, just outside the top 100 in the composite. The thing to keep in mind with Joseph, uh, he did have a knee injury towards the end of his high school season, uh, wasn't able to compete in any of the events over the summer. Now, he's, he's back, and reports are that he's looking as explosive as ever, but there just really wasn't an evaluation opportunity there. So for the people that see all these other guys jumping up really high, and seeing Pinion kind of leveled off, I'd, I'd caution you to wait maybe until the next update uh, and see what happens with him. But three guys who made significant jumps, Darian Ford, the 6'4 combo guard out of Magnolia, he jumped uh, up 34 spots to number 52 overall prospect in the nation. Khalil Ware, really impressive and intriguing prospect. He's one of those 6'11", uh, versatile type of forwards that can sip out and shoot it a little bit. He can run the floor. This guy jumped from number 100 all the way up to number 32 in the country. So uh, he's a high four-star recruit at this point, one of the top five centers in the country, uh, you know, right there in, in your backyard in North Little Rock. And then Nick Smith Jr. out of Sylvan Hills, another 6'4 guard, uh, he moved up several spots as well. He's up to number 25 overall in the country. That puts him one spot away from five-star status. So mm. four really, really talented players in that group. All right, Kurt. Appreciate you, man. Hey, anytime. All right, that's Curtis Wilkerson. Again, Curtis does a great job with us. Uh, and then wait till basketball season starts and SEC schedule getting released here soon. All right, we're going to change gears now to our main recruiting guy, Danny West. You can follow Danny, Danny West one on Twitter. And Danny's been with me for over a decade and longer than that, just as a contributor on the site back when the days of rivals. Trey Biddy. What's up, Danny? Just giving What's you another on? glowing introduction. Yeah, you got to quit all that. <laughs> all my buddies make fun of me for it. <laughs> it's true, man. <laughs> top top recruiting guy in the business, not just in Arkansas, all but all over the country. So, I appreciate it anyway. So, Danny, I was wondering just before we jump into some talk about this Tennessee game, maybe you can update us on the latest happenings with Razorback recruiting. Yeah, sure. A uh, couple of offers to speak of. I want to start with the 2021 class. That's what everybody cares about right now, right? How they're going to finish this thing out. Obviously, as we talked about last week, most of my focus is on the defensive line. You know, I think they've got a couple of spots there that they'd like to fill. Choose maybe even three if you get the right three. So put out a new offer earlier this week, Marcus Bradley. He's a defensive tackle, two, uh, six, three, 
uh, 280-ish, somewhere in there. He's a kid out of Maryland, Gaithersburg, Maryland, Trey, and he's mm-hmm. a four-star guy. He had been committed to uh, the Terrapins up there in Maryland and uh, been committed for several months, and then on November 2nd, he backed off that commitment. So he's he's wide open to everybody, and, you know, you hear things here and there. Arkansas, Arkansas may have a decent shot at this guy. So, obviously, with uh, – the lack of visit opportunities that probably hurts you, but you know if things op- were to open back up with first of the year, maybe you get him on campus. If not, do as many of these virtual visits as possible. But he's a big time guy. I think the uh, composite has him at number one seventy five overall in the country. Number twelve, the defensive tackle is pretty pretty salty, right? So mm-hmm. keep an eye on Marcus Bradley out of uh, Maryland. Then a couple of twenty two offers. Trey Emery is uh, another defensive tackle out of Mount Pleasant, Texas. I think he's going to be a big-time guy, as well as uh, DJ. Don't want to mess up the name here, but Wesselak out of uh, – Oh, you nailed it, Danny. Yeah, thank you. You just nailed it. I've been it. practicing all morning <laughs> for that. I put in work. Uh, no, DJ Wesselak, he's a kid out of Boonville, Missouri, 2022. A defensive end, 6'5", 225. He's also got – Duke and Iowa State, Iowa and Boston College. So you're in there pretty early on that guy. Arkansas and Tennessee have had some recruiting battles, Danny. You noted in a recent recent article. Uh, Can you go over some of the highlights uh, with some of those (laughs) guys? (laughs) Some of them were lowlights, Trey. About this time last year, they had a couple of lowlights. Lowlight is an understatement. understatement, Yeah. Yeah, obviously, the, uh, most people remember the trio out of Memphis. Uh, we're talking about Martavius French, Bryson Eason, and Tamarian, Tamarian McDonald. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> I could spend the rest of your show talking about you know, what a you know, what a show that was, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you had Martavius committed at the time and then uh, had all three of them in here for a visit. We won't get into specifics about that, but things didn't go well right. uh, for anybody involved. So. Uh, basically kind of parted ways, depending on who you ask. Uh, uh, Some people say the trio just kind of played Arkansas and said, you know, a few days later, we're all going to Tennessee. So, you know, uh, some interesting storylines with that group in particular. But when you think about guys like Darren Turner and Trey Knox, Arkansas went in there under Chad Morris and pulled out some four-star type guys that had Mm -hmm. Tennessee offers at the time. A couple of them even visited Tennessee. You think about Ray Curry, uh, Jr., uh, Marcus Henderson, that Sam Pittman got both of those guys late in the class last year. And then, of course, so many of them went to Tennessee that were that were really close with Arkansas at one point. Uh, the running back, Eric Gray, I remember at one time, correct me if I'm wrong, don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think we both agreed Eric Gray was the best running back they were on yeah, last year, if you recall. And uh, Jabari Small, uh, Omari Thomas, so many guys we spent months talking about. So quite a few familiar faces were uh, this time around. All right, Danny, I'm going to get you out with one quick question here. Just how do you see this one playing out? What do you think is going to happen in the game Saturday? Yeah, I'm like a I'm, – I'm going to repeat every time somebody asks me this, but it comes down to third down again this week. You know, mm-hmm. their offense is struggling 106th in the country on third downs and uh, up until last week, Arkansas had been good, uh, pretty good at defending third downs, right? But I want to leave you with a stat here, Trey, that blew my mind. On third and short to third and medium, we're talking about one to six yards to gain. Garantano is only hitting 41% in those situations, right? Mm-hmm. But you make it third and long, uh, so that's third and seven and beyond, even over 10 yards, he's hitting 73%. He's hit seven out of eight on uh, a third and – 10 or longer so that just blows me away you almost don't want to put him in third and long you want that you want that joker in third and short so (laughs) interesting stuff there but i think to answer your question in a brief matter i think arkansas wins the game i like arkansas at home despite uh in spite of tennessee's bite uh, bye week Mm -hmm. i think arkansas uh is better on third downs they're they've finally found some offense tennessee's got the edge in special teams by a wide margin but I like Arkansas at home. You know, just based on what we know of Jarrett uh, Garantano, that seems like the most Jarrett Garantano stat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's oh. it. All In right, Danny. 
All right, Danny, appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping on. All right, that's Danny West again. If you haven't followed Danny, it's Danny West One. We got to get a two four seven on the back of both these guys' names, but. Danny West does a great job covering recruiting and also obviously providing insight, finding interesting stats. Does a great job participating in the message boards as well. So one more reason to sign up for hogsports.com, which, by the way, is 30% off right now for an annual subscription or just $1 for your first year. So if you haven't signed up at hogsports.com, now's a good time to do so. We're going to get to your questions now. I'm going to run through this one more time, though. If you haven't followed the page on Facebook Live, or excuse me, on Facebook, then go ahead and do so. If you haven't thrown us a like on YouTube, then do that also. Interact with the video, both of those, both of those places. Subscribe to the channels, hit the notifications bell so you're notified on YouTube anytime we upload a new video. Throw us that five star review if you haven't that if you haven't done so on Apple Podcasts yet. Just take a minute, throw us a five star rating, throw us a review. Also available on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign up for the free text alerts. You can go to the top right of the page. Take you 15 seconds to do each one of those. You will get an activation email on the newsletter. But you're going to want to do that. It's a lot of free content, a lot of breaking news stuff. I mean, we don't always send just like we're not, we're not going to like flood you with breaking news stuff, right? But, you know, Amante Spivey interest transfer portal, you're going to get notified of that. So it's handy to have, especially if you like being on top of things for your buddies on your group thread. Okay, we're going to go ahead and dive into questions here. We're going to start over on the Razor's Edge VIP forum on hogsports.com. Number one Razorback message board, number one Razorback VIP message board, one of the top VIP message boards in the entire country. Will the run game build off last Saturday's performance, says Hogzilla? I think so. I think you finally got Rakeem Boyd going. Uh, I don't know that Tennessee is quite as stout as Texas A&M was last week, but the running game definitely got going. And if they can continue to get yardage out of Felipe Franks, then absolutely. Chase Nightcrawler says, hey, Trey, with Amante Spivey being done, do you think our recruit Rocket Sanders will be able to pick up the slack? I don't know where Rocket Sanders is going to play. Somebody made a good point on here that he kind of runs a lot like Niall Davis, kind of that hard forward, stiff lean that Niall had. Um, very fast, very big. You don't just get named Rocket Sanders for, for no reason. you got to be fast to have a name like that. But it's possible. He could end up at wide receiver, linebacker, running back. Who knows? Just get him here. WPS 1987 says, I know we have a two-headed monster at running back. You've seen any meaningful touches for Dominic Johnson down the stretch. It's possible. Dominic Johnson's thighs are about as big as my waist. I mean, he is – he's just got a huge pair of legs on him. And so, I could see roles for him. I don't know if he's a guy that you put in aside from, like, you know, short yardage situations. But, yeah, uh, you really need three quality running backs in this conference. Losing Spivey, I mean, that's a tough that's tough because, you know, he's a guy that's, you know, been on campus for a couple of years. So you go from, you know, those two guys straight to a true freshman. And Arkansas has some help coming on next year with JV on Hunt and AJ Green also. Hogzilla says, How do you have you felt about typical in game coaching decisions this year? Overall pretty good. I mean, I will admit the fourth down at midfield where they end up throwing the 36-yarder to, to Traylon Burks, I was just thinking, like, the game's not on the line. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you throwing deep? And they did it anyway. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I didn't like the the way they ended the Auburn game. That would be my one, like, I do not like that, you know. Um, I felt like you needed to be playing, like, if Auburn gets the ball back, they're going to win. So it's not a situation where you're trying to take the clock down to two minutes because, and make them burn all their timeouts because it doesn't. If they have two minutes, it's more than enough time in this day and age. So that's the one thing that I that stood out to me. It's hard to say, like you know, that's a that's a stupid call. Why are they making that play call? Because um, you know, that's an easy thing to say after it doesn't work. Uh, I, I I haven't liked some of the times like you know where they maybe go for it instead of taking their medicine and getting a field goal, you know, some of those things like that. And I can understand it's fourth and one stuff. But the thing I really didn't like was that Auburn game. But aside from that, it's – I mean, you're going to have complaints. Nobody – I don't expect anybody to make perfect calls time and time again. But to me, at the end of the game, when it's close like that, you know, it's a – what, two points? What was it? Was it two points? One point? 
I can't remember, but it was all they need is a field goal, and they, you're going to give them two minutes and the ball back. You got to throw the ball. You got to do. You got to make plays that are going to keep the ball in your hands. And they'd done that, then they would have won the game, and it wouldn't have been left up to the referees to make a colossal error. Idiots. Chase Nightcrawler, based not on this staff's past, but solely what they've been able to accomplish with the recruits so far. How do you feel? confident they are meeting this team's needs feels like they are let's look at it let's take a quick look at this recruiting class so right now they're ranked 22 nationally Keetron Jackson's a big get at wide receiver AJ Green big get at running back they need both of those guys Terry Wells is a four-star on some services he's not on the composite also got JV on Hunt at running back, so that's done well. So they got Terry Wells committed at offensive line. They've got Cole Carson as a guy that you know might be a guard, right tackle type. Another good-looking prospect. Also, Devon Manuel. You can't teach 6'8", 300. You know, he's a guy that doesn't have a lot of football in his background. Not a really highly regarded guy. There are some people who think that um, – Lucas Coley at quarterback is going to be like a really good player in the future, like that he's really underrated. Landon Rogers, guy that, you know, has a lot of tools, maybe more of a project. We've talked about Raheem Sanders who could play a lot of different positions. I mean, if you talk about, you know, having Raheem Sanders, uh, Bryce Stevens, Keetron Jackson at wide receiver, you know, that's a pretty good group. Jaden Wilson, forgot about Jaden Wilson, another tall, lanky guy. Um, so on offense, you know, it feels like they've, they've hit some, some pretty important areas. Kewan Parker at cornerback. I mean, it's pretty spread out if you think about it. Solomon Wright at defensive tackle. Could use another defensive tackle. Maybe the ball kid would be good. Marco Avant, one of my favorite recruits in the class, is a real good kid. Sent me a happy birthday. I hadn't even ever really communicated with, <laughs> with Marco in person, and he sent me a happy birthday. I think Danny West said he did something nice, so that always kind of stuff kind of jumps out to me. Aaron Outley at tight end, of course, they need help at tight end. Yeah, got a notable guy turned down Florida State to go to Arkansas. Chris Paul, Marco Avant, we talked about at linebacker. Chase Lowry's another cornerback, and they got Cameron Little on board at kicker, and they need a kicker. So feels like they've done pretty well. They got twenty commitments right now, if you include uh, Jaqueline Crawford. Seattle Seahog says, I hear a lot of people going back and forth about Scott Fountain. Is he really overrated or is, he, is there just big like death? I mean, we got to have a bigger sample size. I mean, obviously for his career, he has done a really good job uh, as a special teams coordinator. That has not been the case at Arkansas. Arkansas special teams have been below average to bad in games. They have not had a great special teams effort. They've had – Special teams efforts where they didn't, you know, didn't hurt them. They haven't had – it hasn't been a weapon yet. And that's kind of what I think we were looking for, be a weapon. So, I don't know that it really hurt him in Texas A&M, aside from missing the field goals, which I think one of those might have got blocked. I don't know if you can put that entirely on Scott Fountain for missing field goals. But, um, I mean, so far, like, they've gone through three different putters. It looks like they've settled on Reed Brower, so they – they didn't have the punter situation ironed out, you know, going into the season. They've changed holders also. Hasn't been, like, great for Fountain. But you got to look at the whole body of work. His body of work says he's a great special teams coordinator. At Arkansas, it just hasn't happened yet. And, again, part of that could be just impacted. You know, every team's impacted differently from COVID, and maybe that's what Arkansas has. RPT says, surely Spivey opting out doesn't mean anything for Boyd's future at Arkansas. I'd take that trade, though. Oh, you're talking about returning for a senior year. I don't I don't think that's gonna happen for Boyd. I mean, running backs running backs typically worried about their mileage, how much tread they got left on the tire. Him coming back this year, I think, was a huge bonus for Arkansas. I mean, it hasn't really proven out to be yet because he's been injured and they ran into George in the opener. How do you feel our offense against Tennessee and defense? Is there anything? Is there still an early signing for period for football? There is an early signing period, Hogwild thirteen. Um I think the defense matches up pretty well against them. You know, I, I, I don't want to, like, talk too negatively of Garantano because I don't want to jinx anything <laughs> with him. But he's, been, he's just been very hot and cold. You don't know who you're going to get, and it all comes down to that. You know, on the other side, um, with Arkansas's offense against Tennessee's defense, I think they match up pretty well 
Hog Nation I says, can you match? Can you count how many times Rakeem Boyd said? You know what I mean? It's every, everybody's got everybody's got a crutch that they go to. Uh, Warren ninety six Hog says, do you think you think we have a better chance of winning a defensive battle where hopefully our defense can do the same thing Kentucky did? I think they got a chance if they it's con- defensive battle. I think they got a chance. Yes, a shootout. Who knows? If they got a shootout, then that means Garantano's having a good game, and he's he's good Garantano. Hogwild 13, so I'd say maybe defensive. Hogwild 13 says, is there anybody will be missing this week? Injury-related. Pittman said yesterday on his radio show there's one or two guys. I didn't see anybody come off the field in the Texas A&M game. We're going to pop over to our Facebook questions. Got a few that I picked out. I don't see yours, Savage. I know you called in on drive time asking why I didn't read your questions, but I, don't see, I didn't see any questions from you. Boz Burr says, do you think they can get Warren going in this game with Burks? He didn't get going until late. I mean, he had a, a nice catch late in the game against Texas A&M. But, yeah, they need to get him going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dip down here to um, – let's see. I thought we had another question about Trey Knox from somebody. But, yeah, they got to get Trey Knox going too. I mean, I get that, you know, he's moved down to the second team, but he's not getting targeted or anything, like not even getting opportunities. So, it's just – that's just a weird situation because we know what Knox is capable of. We saw him early as a freshman – doing really strong things, but it just hasn't gotten going for him. Maybe it's an injury that they're just not talking about. But that would be nice to get him going. Mike Woods has been, I don't want to say a surprise, but I think he's been playing better than people expected him to play. Warren also. I mean, Warren hasn't had a whole lot happening in his career, and he's definitely having his best season. Might be a guy to look at to come back next year too. Cody Hudgens says, do you think our defense will have a big bounce back or did Texas A&M give everybody the blueprint to beat our defense? I mean, the blueprint to beat any defense is to protect the quarterback. If you protect the quarterback then, and you know, in this conference, most guys are going to pick you apart. So that's the blueprint, really. I mean, Mond is a senior veteran quarterback. I felt like he was on as he's ever been. Uh, he got great protection. They got a strong run back. Texas A&M's got a good team. They're pretty polished. I mean, the only negative that I saw really in their team is they had nine penalties for 100 yards. Jonathan Mosley says, Trey, is the game we finally put all the pieces together on offense and defense. I've said before this is a very big measuring stick game. I feel like Arkansas's offense has been getting better and better. Um, I do think that they face the best opponent that they face so far, probably outside of Georgia in terms of defense. Um, so – it's possible they return home. It feels like they're going to be pretty healthy. The offense is starting to click a little bit more. Defense has gotten healthier. It's possible that they put it together. It's a big measuring stick game. That is the key term for me in this one. Nathan Espinosa says, Trey, who is more critical to a win this weekend, Franks, Boyd, or Burks? Franks. Franks has a good game. Then Arkansas has a good chance to win. I mean, it's obviously possible that, you know, Boyd doesn't have a good game, but maybe Traylon does. Or Burks doesn't, you know, they, they just – all eyes on Burks. That's possible too. And somebody else steps up. So, I definitely think it's Franks. I think it's Franks. That's what I said. I think it's Franks. Ryan D. Summer says, with Spivey opting to transfer, what do we know about Johnson at running back? I, I touched on that in another question. I've heard he's a big physical back, but I haven't seen him play and hope he stays. Yeah, we, we kind of touched on that, uh, Ryan. Josh Gar says, anybody see Nick Starkles last week? This makes me wonder what he was doing for us. I always thought it was interesting that the more comfortable that Nick Starkle got in Chad Morris's offense, the worse he became. Like going from like very promising against Ole Miss, like, hey, they got a quarterback. All right. To a complete and utter disaster against San Jose State, which is where he's at right now. He had four touchdown passes in the last game, four or five. Um, Kirk Herstreet named him as one of his top ten performers last week. So, I mean, that just makes me think that maybe it wasn't a Nick Starkle issue. It was maybe a Chad Morris issue. I mean, has a quarterback played well under Morris? No. Sam Kerr says, yeah, there's the Trey Knox question. Can we not get Trey Knox involved? So, I, I answered that. I can't figure out how we can't get him going in the red zone target. He's 6'5". I agree. I mean, he did have a drop on a two-point conversion play. Had another drop. I guess that was the Auburn game. But it just seems like after that game, just, it's just kind of been, I don't want to say abandoned, but he, he'll have his moment, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll – he's just too talented. It doesn't make any sense, you know. All right, everybody. 
We've gone almost an hour. I can feel it in my throat. Everybody knows my threshold is about 50 minutes of straight talking. So I want to thank Patrick Brown for joining us from Go Vols 24-7. Again, if you're a Tennessee fan, go check those guys out. And if you're a subscriber at 24-7 Sports at hogsports.com, you can go check out opposing teams' message boards. I always think that's really entertaining, especially, you know, after a team loses a big game or something happens where there's a controversy or, you know, it's an opponent, go check out their message board. You get to do that on all the VIP message boards throughout the network. You may not be able to post, but um, – you can post some, you know, but I think you're limited on, on how much you can get involved and stuff. And they're usually a quick trigger on if you're coming over there with a flamethrower. But it is fun to go around and look at what other opposing teams are saying uh, on the 24-7 Sports Network. Again, it's just $1 to sign up. A dollar. A buck. Go sign up if you haven't done so. And if you're not going to sign up, then do me this favor. Go to Apple, iTunes, podcast, excuse me. Go to podcast. iTunes doesn't exist anymore. Don't go to iTunes. Uh, but go to Apple Podcast and uh, and throw us that five-star rating and let people know what they can expect out of the show, if you don't mind. We would appreciate it. Throw us a thumbs up on Facebook. Throw us a thumbs up on um, YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Tell your friends about it. Grassroots it for us. All right, everybody. Next time I'll be talking to you guys, I'll be exiting Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium for the Walk and Talk, so be sure to tune in for that. I'll try to get to it as soon as I can after the game uh, versus um, – you know, spending more time in the press box, see if we can get to it a little bit earlier since it has been so popular, kind of warrants maybe a little bit earlier exit. So uh, we'll try to do that. Again, it's not going to be like right after the game. It'll be after press conferences and all that stuff. So, all right. Thanks, Patrick Brown, for joining us from Go Balls 24-7. Thanks, Danny West, for his recruiting insight on football and his takes on the game. And Curtis Wilkerson, of course, for his takes on basketball, recruiting uh, the team and as well um, – as uh, the game on Saturday. Again, you guys are really going to like some of the stuff we have planned for Curtis Wilkerson when it comes to basketball season. All right, that's it. We've done it. This has been your Arkansas versus Texas A&M primer. Spend the rest of your time at hogsports.com on the day if you're not watching election coverage. And uh, we'll catch you after the game. It's been Trey Voodoo's hogsports.com. We'll see you next time.